The following program is brought to you by Whiteman TV and Bruce Telecom. Baseball Talk is brought to you by Lasting Memories Locker Room, downtown Hanover, where you will find incredible sports memorabilia, art supplies, and custom framing. Check them out online at LastingMemoriesLockerRoom.com. Bonjour to the monde. Bienvenue à uh, Parlay Baseball. <laughs> and uh, don't worry, you're at the right place. This is Blue Water Radio 91.3 with Baseball Talk, which will also be airing on Whiteman this Friday night at 8 o'clock on Channel 6. And uh, you may wonder about the getup, or you may not. But uh, either way, I'll tell you, it's because uh, we're, we're starting off talking about the Montreal Expos. So, uh, of course, I have with me here uh, the great uh, Steve Fitzsimmons and myself and... Uh, <laughs> Paul is away. Having, I think he's in Nicaragua having a bionic arm attached, I believe, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, so this is our, our, our season uh, finale. Although on Whiteman TV, you will see an episode that didn't air uh, with Rob Ducey of the Toronto Blue Jays formerly uh, next week. But uh, just want to say uh, thank you to Paul Hillier for his great work. Unfortunately, he's been called away from for work in the last couple of weeks out of town, which is unusual. And... Uh, would have loved to join us, but anyway. Yeah, so, I've been missing his uh, his uh, Paul's uh, who's hot, who's I know, not, his I uh, fantasy too. stuff there. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people's uh, pools have been going downhill <laughs> with with some of the tips not being uh, heard in the last couple of weeks. But so our topic to start the show tonight is we're going to take a look back into the annals of the Montreal Expos and talk about their best all time players, ranking their top ten players of all time, and and that's difficult to do. We as as uh, regular. Viewers and listeners know we did that with the Toronto Blue Jays, and it was tricky. And it, and you have to consider, you know, their career as a Toronto Blue Jay or as a Montreal Expo versus their career externally with other teams and that, and the length of service and and the contribution in terms of uh, how how meaningful it was for the franchise, even if it was sort of a short burst but a, a huge one. You know, you, it's hard to quantify all that sort of thing, but we, we've had a good time, you know, formulating this one. And of course, in uh, the other factor is the franchise doesn't exist, doesn't exist in, anymore. In, in that state, you know, being the Washington Nationals for so many years. So we're having to draw upon our memories in a lot of cases there, too. Just I, I would say probably the first, you know, four or five, there's not going to be a whole lot of confusion. But to get that last five, right, you really... Drawing upon your memory uh, is, is makes it a little sketchier. Well, they definitely haven't played in a while. That's the thing. Yeah. But uh, you know what? Uh, when we did that, we had such great feedback from the Toronto Blue Jays uh, rankings uh, that we did, you know, about a month ago. And so we thought we'd, you know, go to the other Canadian team that's ever existed and and, uh, and do a, a finale show on, on some of that. So let's uh, kick it off here and start with the top 10. And uh, at number 10, I have a Jeff Reardon who was a, a phenomenal relief pitcher for the the Montreal Expos. And he had 152 saves, which was their franchise record. Uh, pitched for them for five and a half seasons. Uh, in that time, he was a two-time All-Star. He finished seventh in uh, the Cy Young Award at, at, in one particular season and was really dominant in 1985 and 1986 for the Montreal Expos. And we all remember, for those of you old enough to remember, that he had this weird sort of sidearm delivery that almost like Kent to Colby like, uh, where he kind of whipped his arm underneath type of thing. Almost you almost see it in fastball sometimes the kind of delivery he had, uh, but it was uh, like, it uh, was Dan, very distinctive. Dan Quisenberry might have been a little lower than Reardon, right. but he was fairly low there. Yeah. So but, so Dan, I have uh, Jeff Reardon at number ten. Your thoughts on that? I think that's a really solid pick. Um, uh, for a while, I was trying to rank the top five Blue Jay pitchers, and I, I had Expos Jeff Reardon. Pitchers, I know. I, yeah. Expo, yeah, uh, Expos pitchers, and I actually had Jeff Reardon as my third pitcher. Okay, um, but I have him right here, just outside of my top ten. Like okay. I was really playing Jenga with it, trying to see where he fit in, and uh, I think it's a solid pick. You can't argue with that. Uh, two-time All-Star, as you said, 152 saves in five and a half seasons, and that's by far their franchise lead in saves. Very much so. Uh, so I think that's a solid pick. I can't argue with it. Uh, I did pick someone else at 10. Okay. And well, and I, I think it's a and, solid and, pick. And I leave can, that out as to who that is, and we'll, when we go through my list, you can mention you, um, players okay. that we didn't have on the list or 
when we get to somebody that you do have on your list, where you have them. Where I have them yeah, instead? Okay. I think so. So let's, let's kind of do it that way. Okay, sure. so we'll move to number nine. And you know what? This particular player, I mean, probably ranks much, much higher in terms of his overall um, game throughout his career. But because he played for the Montreal Expos for just a portion of it and was really probably more well-known for his Colorado days, um, I have Larry Walker at number nine. And, I mean, he played in 1988 career games, but not all of them with the Montreal Expos. In fact, not a lot of them with the Montreal Expos. Uh, and he had 383 home runs at, at, for a career and 1,311 RBIs, 2,160 hits, and a 313 average. But again, you know, he played maybe half of his career as mm-hmm. a Montreal Expo. And, and, I, and I had to weigh that out because, you know, when you look at the best players ever to play for the Montreal Expos, he's much higher than number nine. But the fact that, you know, he probably had the more successful part of his career elsewhere because he had, was basically just starting his career and was very successful with the Montreal Expos, no argument there. But that that's what I weighed it against, you know, to, to, to drop him down to number nine versus where other people might have him much higher. Uh, I'm not too far off where I have him. And I agree with you. Uh, I had to look at the lexicon of what he did with the the Expos. Right. And uh, as you said, like 1,361 of his hits were with them. 99 of his home runs were with them. Uh, interestingly enough, career, he was what, 313, 313, career three, average, 313 yeah. batting average. And with a lot of batters, we see that where they mature into the strike zone. And uh, with his Expos, even though he... Uh, had his 1,361 hits. He, his batting average at that point with the Expos was only 281. 281, yeah. So it took quite a leap, actually, after his Expo days. So he hit 330 pretty much from there on out. 330, that, that far out. Now, in, in after, I can't remember if he was seven-time or eight-time All-Star, but he uh, one of those All-Stars was with the Jays. He led the league in doubles in 1994. Two gold gloves when you... I said Jays. I know Expos, you meant the Expos, yeah. yeah, yeah. Two gold gloves with the Expos, right. one silver slugger. Now, he won... How many gold gloves and silver sluggers? Right, but um, not all of them with the Expos, obviously. Not all with the Expos, but yeah. if, if I look at just the body of what he did from 1989 to 1994, I pegged him. I have him at seven. Yeah, so and you know that's that's off. totally yeah. credible, and you know you have to mitigate against how much time he played elsewhere. But you're right; um, it, it's hard to kind of weigh those things out. But uh, it's an inexact science, folks. Let me tell you that much for it, sure. And before we go, like I, I have a Larry Walker with the Expos anecdote I want to throw out there sure. because I. Yeah, I made no secret that I was a huge Expos fan. But uh, something he did was just so canny and so astute. And I've never seen anyone do it before or after. But uh, he was playing uh, right field, I believe. And there was a hit that right off of the bat, he realized that he had been positioned too shallow. He was too far in. So he realized there was no way he was going to make a play at it. Um, But it was also fairly a line drive. And he must have in an instant gauged that it wasn't going to go out, but it was going to hit the wall hard. So what he did is he started pantomiming that the ball was popped up. Oh, really? Like way up. So he started doing this whole thing like he was scanning for the ball way <laughs> up in the air. And what it did is the runner on base, I think was on second. I can't remember what base. Psyched him out. But he thought he, he, start, he tagged up. He thought it was a fly ball. And so what happened was is the hit, it drove off of the wall way behind him, and it ricocheted, it careened right to him. So he did this whole pantomime of waiting for the fly ball. <laughs> and then he turned around, picked it up, and he was able to, uh, I guess the runner must have been forced. So he must have been on first, I guess. And he got him forced, got him on the forced play at second base. That's pretty cool. And I was like, wow. Like, it's kind of like the hidden ball trick the Jays pulled off a couple of weeks ago. Oh, did they? I, yeah. I missed that. Yeah. yeah. But it was just so canny. Like, uh, it was such a pure baseball move I've never seen before never seen since. Yeah, it's it's almost out of the the movie Major League type of, yeah. of, of shenanigans. Shenan- but, yeah. uh, you know, interest, interesting uh, moment to, to take us back to. So, yeah, let's move to number eight. And, uh, you know, uh, this particular player, again, like Larry Walker, uh, became a star elsewhere, although kind of was on the cusp of being, you know, a dominant star at the end of his Expos career. But, of course, salary reasons and and uh, the, the situation of the franchise forced this particular player to move on to the Boston Red Sox, where he was way successful and was the best pitcher in Major League Baseball for a probably about a four-year period. Uh, that would be Pedro Martinez, who um, has a career 219 and 100 career record. His earn run average as a career 2.93, which is the sixth best of all pitchers ever that have pitched over 2,500 innings pitched. And, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, of course. And, and you know, the, the interesting thing about Pedro, I mean, 
stature wise, he wasn't a big guy. Like he was 5'11, 170. And I mean, he was a flamethrower like that guy. He could get it up there to 100, 101 miles an hour. And he just blew people away. Um, he was a three time All Star with the Expos, though. Um, was a, and joined the Hall of Fame in 2015. So again, you know, it's a, it's a case where, you know, the majority of his career was spent elsewhere, but he got his start there and was this, on the cusp of being a star. I think. Yeah, it made a big impact. Um, I didn't have Pedro in my top ten. Okay, and it was it was like you said with Larry Walker because he only was with the Expos for four years. I believe his record was 55 and 33 at that time. Right. But fantastic pitcher. Um, when I was ranking, I had him in my top five Expos pitchers. Right. But he was behind another Martinez. Yes. So yeah, spoiler alert on that one. But that, <laughs> that was also another Martinez that was with them for a much longer tenure. Right, right. Uh, so, you know, you pump the tires on how fantastic Pedro is, and I can't argue with any of that. But just a lot of it wasn't with the Expos. I, I would just say just because his tenure was only four years, if he had been there longer, he'd be a no-brainer to be top ten for sure. Fair enough. Well, you, you you just mentioned spoiler alert, and at number eight, I have your spoiler alert. I have uh, Dennis Martinez. Of course, was well-known. Uh, his nickname was El Presidente. Um, he was from Nicaragua, and yeah. he has the uh, the record for um, the most career uh, wins from uh, Central America of all Central American pitchers. Um, and that is um, – darn, I don't even have that number written down. Shame on me. But uh, he does have the most career victories of any pitcher that never won 20 games in a season, which is interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, he pitched a perfect game, the 13th perfect game in, in Major League Baseball history on July 28, 1991 in a game for the, the Expos. Uh, he was a, a five-time All-Star for the Expos as well. So, uh, I mean, he was the quintessential uh, starter for the Montreal Expos in that period that he pitched for them, which was 1986 to 1993. If you think of the Montreal Expos at that time, there's some players that come to mind, and he is right at the top or close. El Duque. Absolutely, or El yeah. Presidente, I should say. El Presidente, and first player from uh, Nicaragua to play in the major leagues. And just right now, talking about that, I wonder how many from Nicaragua there has been since. Yeah, I don't know. Not as much infrastructure uh, in, in Nicaragua, if I'm correct on that. Um, 13 shutouts during his time with the Expos, 973 Ks. Interesting little coincidence is, uh, I believe him and Pedro um, Martinez top out with the best ERA all time for the Expos. Uh, they both have a three uh, three point zero six. That is correct. Yeah. ERA. That's kind of an interesting co- coincidence. Martinez and Martinez. Yeah. Martinez, Martinez having the same number on there. And, and interesting that uh, Dennis was an older guy, a veteran type of guy, and Pedro was a young guy. Yeah, Pedro had like more arm than anyone, and oh, yeah. uh, Dennis had the savvy. Right, he was doing everything, moving around. He had the spot and the locations. Yeah, and- he was he was what I would call uh, incredibly savvy. In, in, in pitching the baseball, uh, just I a agree, guy that yeah. uh, really could, you know, he used movement, he used uh, changing speeds, and just uh, good old uh, experience to, to get the job done. And boy, he was a hell of a pitcher, there's no doubt. He's one of those guys that just, without being aggressive or being fake, he just quietly owned that mound when he was on it. Yeah. He wasn't he was a presence, right? Yeah, he was a presence. You just, you, you trusted him, you had confidence in him, and he wasn't a loud player that I remember, but he just kind of exuded that. He was all business, and he took care of business, and he was consistent, and you could rely on him. Absolutely, and uh, so that's why I have him at number seven. And he's and probably, where did you have him on your list? Uh, you know what? I didn't have him on my list okay, either. Interesting. I have these pitchers, yeah. and we had this with the Blue Jays, is how to right. fit the pitchers into it. Cause, right. uh, so I do, have, I do have a pitcher on my top ten, okay. but only one. And, and Dennis, Dennis I had as my second all-time uh Pitcher. Pitcher for the Expos. Behind the whoever you have on your list. Yeah, and Dennis brings up another thing about the Expos in their history is I'd have to put them as far as modern teams, uh, one of the best teams as far as nicknames go. <laughs> yeah, they had a lot of yeah. good ones. Eh? If you go back to the 1920s, 1930s, forget it. They they were all over everything. Everyone was, you know, Slabo or Tubby or Grifter or whoever. Everyone had a nickname back in the 20s, 30s, the 10s. Right. But as far as the 80s, 90s, the Expos and El Presidente – you know, cool nickname, and then we're, we're gonna we're gonna come up with quite a few really good Actually, nicknames yeah, on this list. Yeah, yeah, there's quite a few. Yeah. All right, so let's move to number six. And uh, you know, I I was born in 1973, and so growing up, uh, you know, I watched a lot of Montreal Expos baseball, and 
Jay's baseball, of course, too. But we we got them both in my house, and you know a lot of the Expos games were on CBC. And uh, this particular player, it seemed like he was in the middle of a lot of good things happening with the Montreal Expos in that period of time, from when I was ten till twenty, kind of thing. When I really watched them a lot, I, I think I know where you're going. And, with this and one, so yeah. he played uh, third base for them, and. It, for 11 of his 13 seasons and he's the all-time leader in games with the Montreal Expo 1767 he had three gold gloves he was an all-star five times in his 13 seasons was a first round pick um, in 1979 by the Expos and debuted in the majors just one short year later it's not John Olerud, but it's real close for being able to jump right in from being drafted uh, so this is Tim Wallach Absolutely. Good pick. Yep. So so we're at number six right now? Six, yeah. Okay, I have him at number five. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you pumped the tires on a lot of things there. Yeah, 204 home runs is a, yep. a Blue Jay, 900, 905 RBI. I know you mean is an expo. <laughs> Blue Jays, expo, of course. Uh, 204 home runs, 905 RBIs. And uh, he actually, I, I thought there was going to be more appearances. I looked this up there, but he actually uh, came in twice to pitch for them. <laughs> Did full innings both times. Uh, didn't allow a run the first time, and I think he allowed a run the second time. So he has a 4.50 uh, ERA in his two appearances. It's funny because... You know what? I remember one of those, actually. I remember so, watching So do I. Those, it yeah. must have been a nationally televised game or yeah, something because yeah. I just assumed if I'm seeing it now, it must happen more often. But yeah, he only had two appearances, so... You know what? I mean, he was a guy that was such a defensive stalwart. Like, we talked about the, the three gold gloves, but uh, I think even further than that, I mean, he was just a uh, a rally stopper with his glove. Uh, when, you know, when that got to hit down to the hot corner, you could pretty much count on Tim Wallach making a play on it. Absolutely. Great with the glove all around. He was a gamer. Uh, seemed to be pretty positive. Other players liked him, which counts if you're going to be around for you know yeah, 12 sure. years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's a very solid pick. I think an on uh, on ice uh, an on field leader too, like yeah. he was. You know, he had sort of a presence about him that way. He got a lot of dirt on a lot of dirt on his jersey. So that's right. Yeah, lead by example type thing. Le- led the led the major leagues, I believe, uh, in doubles in '87. Right. So you know, uh, decent for home runs, but he still he had he had some pretty good power there too. All right. So we'll move to number five, and and I'm going to assume that this is the pitcher that you have on your list in your top ten, because uh, he's the highest pitcher I have on mine, and that would be Steve Rogers, uh, who in 13 seasons won 158 games a career, the the most of any pitcher in in their history. He had a 3.17 earn run average in 2837 and two thirds innings, and average. Get this. I mean, we think about 200 innings being like, wow, that is like, you know, R.A. Dickey fill in the holes. Like, you know, he averaged 239 innings between the years 1973 and 1983, a 10-year span. I mean, I know baseball was different where you didn't have, you know, the prevalence of relievers maybe like we do today and, you know, getting to the sixth inning and thinking about taking your pitcher out for the relievers. But my goodness, that is that is impressive. Absolutely. And actually in our Clark Ives, uh, it's not with Steve Rogers, but we're going to see that other uh, idea of, uh, of an Expo pitcher going long, late into games that by today's standard, we'd be like, wow, check that out. But Steve Rogers, like far and away, the franchise's best pitcher ever. Yeah, ever. Yeah. So I totally agree with you on that one. Uh, I have him at number six, I believe, on my list here. Okay. Where I, I did the ten position, then I inserted him in the middle there. I was debating I, I put him ahead of Larry Walker for sure, and I was debating whether to put him ahead of Tim. But Tim Wallach, yeah, I, I had him slightly you know above what? It's, him. It's it's hard to quantify it, no doubt about yeah. it. But uh, he also led in complete games uh, with 129, uh, 37 shutouts, like crazy numbers. Yeah, eh? 1,621 strikeouts. Like the numbers are all over it. A career ERA of 317. Played his entire career for the Expos, so mm-hmm. he gets some bonus points for that too. So. Absolutely, and I I did factor that in knowing that. Every single win he got as a major leaguer was with the Montreal Expos. It was worth an extra position up maybe for me. Yeah, and I believe he's still the the franchise. If you go into the Washington Nationals, I think he's still the career leader in wins. He is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. so, yeah, there's, there you go, Steve Rogers, number five. Uh, and uh, so let's go to number four. And uh, this particular player, he's a Hall of Famer. He's a seven-time All-Star. He won a batting title in 1986. He was a left fielder for the Montreal Expos for a long time, and as an Expo, he had a career average of 301 with an on-base percentage of 391. I mean, it's ridiculous. 
And, of course, he led the league in stolen bases four times, uh, just a linchpin in the outfield and on the base pass, and he could hit, he could he could play the game any way he wanted to. Uh, the very speedy and fast Tim Raines, who, uh, for my money, it was one of the most electrifying players I've ever seen play baseball. Yeah, he had it all. He could field and hit for average, and, and on the bases was ridiculous. There was a time when him and Vince Coleman... And to a certain degree, Willie Wilson. They just kind of ruled that whole aspect of baseball. He had 634 steals with the Expos yep. in his, his 11 years. Like, that's unheard of by today's standards. And uh, also on the all time nickname list there, as far as uh, the list there, Tim the Rock Reigns, right? <laughs> we were long before Dwayne Johnson yeah, came along. Yeah, exactly. So, Dwayne um, stole his nickname. Yeah, Dwayne stole it. But, uh, yeah, and you know, I seem to remember there was a time where early in his career he had uh, gone down a bit of a rough path and. They also had that pathos part because I remember uh, when Tim Raines uh, had a, a child. I don't know if it was his first child or not, but uh, named her Andrea. And uh, he, he let it be known that that was uh, in honor of Andre Dawson, who oh, really? apparently Andre sort of picked him up by his bootstraps. That was a time in Major League Baseball where uh, some, uh, some of the white powder was uh, not just lining the 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 base paths and such are sorry the foul lines it was prevalent and, uh, off the field a lot yeah there was prevalent off the field and apparently if, from what I understand Tim might have been getting into the party lifestyle a little bit and he credited Andre Dawson with uh, clean, helping him clean up getting getting his head straight and cleaning up and getting on there and I just uh, that kind of added element too of the the buddy the buddy uh, aspect of it that way too so they they were a true team and Tim Raines is a great player. I have him at number two on my list, actually. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. I, yeah. I hard, hard to disagree with that, it's for sure. So we move to number three on the list. And uh, and how are we doing for time there, Andy? Are we gonna- uh, it's, a, it's about 6.23, so maybe... Okay, so we uh, have some time. Okay. Do, do you want to finish up this one, or do you want to hit a uh, commercial and come back and finish up the actually, top Actually, why, why don't we take, take a first a commercial, commercial break. break, and we'll come back uh, with uh, number three, two, and one on our look at the all-time best expos. We'll take a break and be back on Blue Water Radio and on Whiteman TV. Baseball Talk is brought to you by Lasting Memories Locker Room, downtown Hanover, where you will find incredible sports memorabilia, art supplies, and custom framing. Check them out online at LastingMemoriesLockerRoom.com. Discover more with Hanover Culture Days this Friday through Sunday. A free self-guided tour celebrating our people, history, and assets. Complete your passport or share photos using hashtag DiscoverMoreHanover for chances to win. Download your passport at Hanover.ca. Join the Saugeen Valley Conservation Foundation for a conservation dinner gala on Saturday, September 30th to raise funds for a new wildlife center at Sulphur Springs Conservation Area. The dinner will take place at the Knights of Columbus Hall between Walkerton and Mildmay. There will be live entertainment, a full-course meal with all the trimmings, silent and live auction items, door prizes, displays, conservation information, and more. Tickets are just $65 per person or $120 for two. We'd love your support. That's Saturday, September 30th. For tickets, contact us at 367-3040, extension 229, or visit us online at songeenconservation.com. Here's Mark and Don Leslie from Leslie Motors in Harriston, Walkerton, and Wingham. Don, there's only a few days left to come in for some of the best deals of the year. That's right, Mark. Ford employee pricing is ending on Monday, October 2nd. Our lots in Harriston, Walkerton, and Wingham are full of brand new Fords ready to go. There are extra incentives for Costco members and current F-150 owners. And Leslie Motors will throw in a no-charge two-year 40,000 kilometer maintenance package to make this already great deal even sweeter. Mom always did say you were so sweet. Come into Leslie Motors before Ford employee pricing ends on Monday, October 2nd. This is Hope from Whiteman Community TV. Join us on Saturday, September 30th from 9 a.m. till 3 p.m. for the second annual Blue Water Radiothon. The Radiothon will be broadcast live on Blue Water Radio and live on Whiteman TV Channel 1. This year's Radiothon will be in support of the Hanover, Walkerton, and Durham Hospital Foundations. This event is live, interactive, and it's your chance to directly support your local hospital. Local radio, local TV, for local health care. Save the date for the Radiothon, Saturday, September 30th, 9 a.m. till 3 p.m. Who do you think of when someone mentions Alzheimer's disease? If you're a baby boomer, you might think about your parents, but that's all about to change. Boomers are entering the age of greatest risk for the disease, and research suggests that changes in the brain occur long before symptoms appear. 
fact. Alzheimer disease is not a normal part of aging. It's a disease. And diseases can be fought. Find out how you can help fight Alzheimer's disease at www.alzheimer.ca. Baseball Talk is brought to you by Lasting Memories Locker Room, downtown Hanover, where you will find incredible sports memorabilia, art supplies, and custom framing. Check them out online at lastingmemorieslockerroom.com. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on Baseball Talk and 91.3 FM, Blue Water Radio, and Whiteman TV. And here we're talking about the top 10 expos of all time, in our humble opinions. And uh, I'll throw it over to Steve Fitzsimmons here. Thank you, Andy. And yeah, we, we, were, we just had a, a number four um, ranked all time before the break. So we're going to number three now. And, the, you know, the, these are so difficult because uh, it's hard to quantify which one is better than the other. But uh, I had a tough time with this, maybe even more so than the Toronto Blue Jays. But uh, so this particular player actually has a Toronto Blue Jays connection, and we'll get to that in just a few moments. But as he played for eight seasons with the Montreal Expos and hit 323 with a 390 on base percentage, a four-time All-Star. His best season was the year 2000 when he hit 345 with 44 home runs, 123 runs batted in. And and uh, he was a right fielder, NDH, um, throughout his career. Of course, in the National League, he was a right fielder. And then with Anaheim, when he ended up going on to uh, play for the Anaheim Angels, he was the MVP of the American League in his first season and was a DH. Um, he's well known for trying to swing at things up, down, and all over the bloody place. And, and his them son, too, yeah, yeah, and his son, of course, is a huge prospect with the Toronto Blue Jays, and that would be Vladimir Guerrero. Yeah, and a lot of excitement around this. Fantastic player, fun to watch, and. Another wrinkle, he stole bases too. Uh, 2001, he had 37 stolen bases. He could hurt you in all kinds of ways. Yeah, he was just all around a gamer. And as you, you talked about that 2000 season where that, he didn't even win the MVP that year. I know. And hitting 345, 44 home runs and 123 RBIs. And then you think about his, his in his years there that's going on seven years with the, with the Expos, 323 over seven years. Talk fantastic and then hitting for power too yeah. yeah hitting for power and hitting for that average the guy was a bit of an anomaly yeah saying it in a kind way he was yeah. a bit of a bit of a freak but saying that in a kind kind way you know i mean the fact that he hit like that with basically no plate discipline at all i mean he he literally had a knack for hitting the ball way out of the strike zone in the in the dirt and everything like to hit 323 over eight seasons when you're swinging at pitches all over the place. I mean, I can't, I can't even think of another player really like that. Can you actually, you've, you put me on the spot and I can't even, I'm trying to think of someone who would take a few. Well, I know Reggie Jackson struck out a lot, but it wasn't necessarily chasing wild stuff. You no, just kind of missed wildly sometimes. It's just, it's just a very, yeah. when you think in the, the depths of major league baseball, there's not a lot of guys like that. Yeah. I can't think of another one. And, and I'm sure, you know what? Tweet us at blue water radio and at uh gray County guy. If you can think of another player like Vladimir Guerrero that way, that was successful. I mean, there's probably guys that, came up and slashed but couldn't Did, didn't know. make the contact right because actually if you think about like say with the the blue jays currently if you look at the blue jays as a comparison yeah uh when pilar got hot towards the end of the season it was because he stopped chasing stuff out of, out of the strike zone because he wasn't making contact yeah. with it anyways yeah you don't get hot by swinging at that yeah. stuff usually and Bo- bautista could be blamed for the same thing when yeah. he goes into slumps it's because he's starting to chase outside of the zone so when he narrows the zone he has success so yeah i can't think of another player that swung so wildly and still it just came to my mind average. When you said the word anomaly, and I think it it's just bang on with him in that way too. So yeah, it's interesting. But he's at number three, and really because you know he played eight seasons versus uh, some of the the two guys ahead of him were like Mister Montreal Expos. So mm-hmm. you know, pretty tough to to get past these two gentlemen. But we'll move to number two, and this yeah. guy. So, sorry, before we go on, yeah. I'll just throw it there. I, I had Vladdy at four. Oh okay, yeah, yeah, yeah fair enough. So this particular player, I mean, uh, he played 10 seasons, but it seemed like 20 because, I mean, he was the quintessential uh, defensive catcher. Uh, He called a tremendous game with his pitchers. He hit 220 home runs in 10 seasons from 1974 to 84. uh, He's a member of the Hall of Fame that was inducted in 2003. And in his 10 seasons, he was an all-star six times. And you talked about nicknames. His nickname was The Kid, Gary 
Carter. Yeah, and he had that youthful enthusiasm. He had the big dimpled smile, and <laughs> he was a real gamer. Like, he had a lot of fun out there, too. So, yeah, the kid kind of it, – it fit. It was a fitting nickname. And you know what? He got his jersey dirty, that's for sure. He, he was sure a worker, did. that guy. Yeah, like we mentioned that with Tim Wallach. And yeah. later on, a lot of those guys, actually, Vladi, like, was all over the place, too. So that seemed to be a team – a team ethos that uh, you see sometimes, but kind of a work ethic. Thing. Up, to, up, down through that lineup, you really saw it. I wonder what it was in Montreal at the time, because a lot of people complained about, you know, being in a, a, a somewhat foreign aspect for a lot of Americans, because a lot, a lot of French was spoken, and just culturally it was different. But these players loved it, right? And, and a lot of them stayed a long time. Gary Carter stayed ten years, and he didn't seem to have any problem being in Montreal. So no, that's right. He, and he was uh, he was a legend uh, in Montreal Expos. Yeah. Uh, history, I think, and I have him a number two. Did, where did you have him? Number three. Number three. Yeah. Okay. Do, you, do you remember when uh, when he was heading into the Hall of Fame? There was a lot of hope. We were like, "Oh, Willie, 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 yeah. wear the Expos yeah, hat yeah, yeah. In, in the in the plaque." But I think he decided to go Mets. I believe. I think he did go Mets. And yeah. and fair enough, he won a World Series with the Mets. So yeah. So tough un- call, eh? Like understandable on that one, yeah. yeah. But I just remember Expos fans were all like, please, "This might be the please. first one to go in there." But yeah, yeah for sure. So that takes us to the number one player in Montreal Expos history. And uh, you, you actually mentioned this earlier, uh, this particular player, and helping out Tim Raines uh, getting um, you know, his career back on track. This guy's nickname was The Hawk, and boy, was uh, it apropos. He played center field, right field. He was the 1976 Rookie of the Year. He racked up 224 home runs in 11 seasons and had uh, gold glove defense with six gold gloves in that period of time. And really... Uh, bad knees kind of did him in um, being able to play the field at the end of his career because this guy was a workhorse both offensively and defensively. Andre Dawson, the Hawk. Awesome. He was a heck of a player. He's my favorite ball player of all time. So, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely have him at number one. Yeah. The guy could cover the field. He could hit. He was long and lanky. He seemed he could reach out for anything. The like guy a had gazelle, a, eh? Yeah, gazelle. That's a great way of saying it. And he, was, he was powerful in that era before the steroid uh, era where he was strong, but it was like that lean, lanky strong. I remember uh, later on when he was with the Chicago Cubs, um, just a testimony to his strength. But um, after, I believe he'd hit one or two home runs in a game, and uh, next time up, the pitcher drilled him in the face, and he was down. I believe he was like even knocked out. Wow. Like he was down, and he was still, and he wasn't one to uh, lay still if, uh, if if he was able to move around. But when he got up, he had the rage of the world in him. <laughs> And it took about 14 players. I remember that. They were huddled around, and he still was moving the, the mound of people that were trying to hold wow. him back. He he wanted a piece of that pitcher so bad. Not that he was a violent or mean man, but he also took like a 95-mile-hour fastball to the face. So yeah. he probably had a reasonable grievance there. But, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Yeah. But uh, awesome player all around there. He had the right attitude, hustle all the way around, soft-spoken. Is yeah, I, I can't say enough. In, I'll, I'll actually say this, and I have to preface it with uh, uh, on my mother-in-law's side, her maiden name is Dawson. Okay, but uh, uh, m- my youngest son, his first name is Dawson, and uh, so yeah, it's tribute <laughs> to, to the mother-in-law, the matriarchal side. But, it, but maybe it not all together too. <laughs> yeah, didn't hurt that Andre <laughs> you kind Dawson of sneaked it in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Dawson, if you're listening to this, this will explain a few things for you there. But yeah, so uh, my favorite ball player of all time was also a bit of an influence in my young son's name. Andy Clark pulling that one off. That was pretty. That's pretty. Uh, pretty smart, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I okay. Just, so, uh, sir. I, yeah. Just uh, t- just a quintessential Montreal Expo. I think uh, when you think of the Expos, that's the that's the guy you think of first. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And as you say, with with Tim Raines, Gary Carter, Vladdy Guerrero, uh, and then maybe Steve Rogers in that mix, it's really, really, really hard to sort out two through five. Very much so. But I think a lot of people would agree, Andre, number one. Yeah, I think I think they would. So before I get to, I have some honorable mentions, kind of a list here. But before we do that, why don't you tell us who you have on your list that we I didn't have on mine, and then I'll, then I'll go through the honorable mentions. Yeah, and uh, I think my my list only varies a little bit because I tend to lean more to the position players that play every day. Nothing to slight the pitchers because they are so valuable, but they do work in a rotating tandem like that. So Steve Rogers was the only starting pitcher I had in there. Uh, it was my last three on my list, uh, eight, nine, and ten that I had different. I had El uh, El uh, Gato Grande, 
the big cat. Oh yes, Andres Galarraga. Andres Galarraga, who uh, he, he's he an honorable really well. mention on my list. He's yeah. an honorable mention. Yeah, nine hundred and six hits with the Expos, one hundred and eighty doubles. Uh, Let's see here. Even I was surprised to see he had fifty six stolen bases. He had an all star. <laughs> you don't think there. of him that way, do you? Yeah, oh, yeah. He's a big he's lumbering guy. Big guy, yeah. yeah. Um he had an all star, two gold gloves, a silver slugger, all with the Expos. Played with them for six years from eighty five to ninety one and then came back in two thousand two. So I had him on there. Okay. Um now my next one's a little bit controversial because we did talk about the scope and the lexicon. Yep. But uh I I put Al Oliver number nine. Okay. And I made an allowance for him because he only played two full seasons with the Expos, but the two seasons he played were fabulous. They were outstanding. Uh, he had 380, 388 hits. He had almost 400 hits in his two seasons with them. Uh, 315 batting average, OPS of 832, 30 home runs, 193 RBIs. So he averaged almost 100 RBIs per. Mm-hmm. Very, very solid at first base. And another one on the nickname list, he was Scoop. <laughs> yeah, Al Scoop Oliver. Uh, I don't know if you remember because he played with the the Blue Jays also, and yes, he used I to have uh, he used to wear zero number zero or double zero. I can't remember now, but he used to have a big gold necklace with the double zero. Okay, I don't remember uh, that, hanging off yeah. that. But yeah, he was just an all around player, and a lot of his, his greatness. I think he played nineteen major league seasons, but don't quote me on that. Um, sort of an interesting sidebar with Al Oliver. I'd forgotten about all this, but when I was preparing for this. Uh, they mentioned, uh, you know, he played out his career. He was with the Pirates for a long time, then with the Expos, and then he played for a few teams after that. But uh, his career was actually cut short, and it wasn't by injury or by anything he did. But if uh, some of you are old enough, you'll remember a thing called collusion. And uh, so he actually, I think it was 95, he had a decent season, but his numbers were declining a little bit, but not to the point where he couldn't get a job. But there was a handful of players that, uh, for no reason, couldn't get a contract and it was proven later that the owners had got together and they sort of targeted certain players to say okay we're going to sacrifice these guys and we're not going to sign them to try and drive the the markets down they were worried about increasing salaries so uh he actually got paid for the 1996 season like 10 years later oh really uh, major league baseball had to pay him a year's salary because of that collusion where he was so his his career they were saying that you know he had 2,800 hits about so he was starting to get into that conversation for the Cooperstown for the Hall of Fame. So, yeah. what a shame, eh? He could have got there. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting story there, all in its own. So interesting. Okay. And my last one is uh, again on the nickname list: uh, the Crow, Warren Crow Marty, and probably De- Dennis Martinez. When I think about it, I probably would slide Dennis Martinez ahead of him here. But he had <laughs> one thousand sixty-three hits for the Expos, two hundred twenty-two doubles, sixty home runs. Uh, 49 stolen bases, 371 RBIs. So he was a very, very, very solid player. 280 uh, during his time there. So he had eight years he played for the Expos, batted 280 the whole time. So the Crow, Warren Cromarty, also on my list. You know what? I had him on my honorable mention list as well. So no argument there. Uh, Al Oliver is an interesting one. I didn't have him on my honorable mention, but but you kind of sold me on him with with your story about him. So here's the other names I just put together of honorable mention players that uh, you know would resonate with the Expos fans Jeff Facero the pitcher of course okay uh, Larry Parrish the third baseman pitcher Bill Gullickson yeah Bill I uh, gave some consideration to yeah. yeah pitcher Ken Hill okay yeah uh, pit uh, reliever John Wetland who of course went on to bigger and better things elsewhere but was started as a reliever with the Montreal Expos and became one of the game's best stoppers you know elsewhere uh, Marquise Grissom, the second baseman, of course. Rusty Staub. We remember Rusty Staub, oh, yes. fielder and first baseman. And Moises Alou. I'm trying to think uh, Rusty Staub. I'm, I'm not having my fact exact, but it's something like he was the only player to have 500 hits with... Four different teams. Four different teams. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Like that, so. yeah, he's the only player in Major League Baseball history, actually, to do that. So uh, the other thing I would say is... Uh, this is a, just an added bonus. My manager, all-time manager, is Felipe Alou. Oh, he was fantastic, too. Yeah. yeah. On my honorable mentions, uh, the only other one I'll throw in there is uh, Bryn Smith was a solid oh, yes, pitcher. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, I believe he had, what, 328 career ERA with him, uh, 81 wins. So that put him up there amongst the Expo pitchers. Yep. But Yeah, and Felipe. And, of course, he had his son, uh, Moises, who right. played for the Expos for a while, too. He was a decent player. He didn't have a huge career with the Expos, but it was a decent player all around. So Yeah, he was a good player. Yeah, Felipe, uh, he knew what he was doing. He surely did. Yeah, yeah he, he was uh, 
very underrated manager, actually, I think. I, I agree with you. Yeah, and that's partly being up in, in Montreal, not being a big media market and stuff like that. So I think uh, maybe the Americans didn't get a chance to see him on their TV screens You're probably doing right. Thing. You know, yeah. I, think, I think he didn't uh, maybe get the credit that he was due because of, the, like you say, the, a relatively small media market that just didn't focus on the Montreal Expos like they would the New York Yankees, that's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, do you want to take our uh, next uh, commercial break and then come on back and uh, we'll talk about how sure, we're going to sort the Blue Jays? Yes, and we'll talk Aaron Judge as well. We'll talk Aaron Judge as well. Absolutely. So here we are uh, taking our next break. We'll see you soon, folks. BWR Blue Water Radio Mixing all your favorite music Baseball Talk is brought to you by Lasting Memories Locker Room, downtown Hanover Where you will find incredible sports memorabilia, art supplies, and custom framing Check them out online at LastingMemoriesLockerRoom.com Calling all entrepreneurs in Gray, Bruce, Wellington, North, Minto, and the city of Owen Sound. The Hawk's Nest is an opportunity to garner cash investment and promote your business. The Saugeen Economic Development Corporation, in partnership with the Bruce Community Futures Development Corporation, is offering free business plan training workshops for new and existing businesses in various locations starting September 22nd through October 26th. These training opportunities are open to all and not limited to those interested in applying to the Hawk's Nest. Visit sbdc.ca or bruce.on.ca and click on the Hawk's Nest link. If your active lifestyle is being held back by foot pain, Soul Science can help. Canadian certified podorthist Jeff Walker and myself, Caitlin Witkowski, are ready to get you back on your feet. Since taking over from Melissa Bendo in 2015, Soul Science has been the custom foot orthotic experts within this area. We provide comfortable orthotics in days, not weeks, that last for years. Come see us today. Give us a call at 1-844-337-7653 or visit us on the web at soulscience.ca. Did you know you could receive free energy-efficient upgrades for your home through the Home Assistance Program? Income-eligible customers of West Stereo Power can receive items such as LED light bulbs, power bars, shower heads, and more, completely free of charge, including installation. To see if you qualify, visit westereo.com HAP or call Westereo's service provider at 1-866-848-4998. The Home Assistance Program is funded by the Independent Electricity System Operator and offered by Westereo Power. Visit westereo.com slash HAP to learn more today. Bruce and Gray Counties are amazing places to live, but sometimes they can be difficult to get around and explore. That's where Soggy Mobility and Regional Transit comes in. Since 1977, they've specialized in public transit service to those with permanent or temporary mental and physical challenges within Bruce and Gray Counties. Finally, you have the ability to stay mobile. Life can be challenging. Let Soggy Mobility help. To find out more about smart services in your area or to register, visit SoggyMobility.ca and they'll see you soon. Tired of hard water wreaking havoc around your home? Dry skin and lifeless hair? Dull and dingy laundry? Soap scum and spotted glasses, too? Hey, Colligan Man! A Colligan water softener turns hard water soft every time. Soft water is the answer. Not cleaning products or detergents. Colligan saves you up to 50% on soaps and detergents while turning your laundry, bathroom, and kitchen brilliant, like me. Hey, Colligan Man! This is Mike Lane. I hope you'll join me weekdays from 7 till 10 a.m. for The Breakfast Show. We'll try to keep your mornings light with upbeat music, weather and sports updates, and occasional surprises with special guests and the odd educational opportunity. Why? Because I like odd things. That's The Breakfast Show with me, Mike Lane, weekday mornings 7 till 10, right here on 91.3 FM Blue Water Radio. Baseball Talk is brought to you by Lasting Memories Locker Room, downtown Hanover where you will find incredible sports memorabilia, art supplies, and custom framing. Check them out online at LastingMemoriesLockerRoom.com. Bienvenue. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, Baseball Talk on Blue Water Radio, 91.3 FM and Whiteman TV. And uh, we're going to kick off uh, our last segment here with the Clark Hives, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the Blue Jays and Aaron Judge. And don't forget the Twitter poll as well. And the Twitter poll where you uh, chimed in and gave us some feedback on what you thought about uh, what we should do with uh, the Blue Jays for next year. Um, going right into the Clark Hives, the year we visited was 2002. And if you want to see these in their entirety, you can uh, go to uh, 
my Twitter account at uh, at Gray County Guy and check it out. And uh, the first uh, headline you're going to see there says Guerrero belts record homer. And this is from a Globe and Mail of uh, July 19th, 2002, a Bill Beacon piece. And uh, it's kind of interesting because it, it talks about Guerrero belting a record homer. In this case, it was 107th of his career in the Olympic Stadium, uh, where he passed Gary Carter for the most of any player in Olympic Stadium. But it's interesting. Apparently, he celebrated quite a bit going around the bases. And uh, when they talked to him with the interpreter, he actually said, oh, I wasn't celebrating for me. He said I was celebrating for Bartolo Colon, who the uh, the Expos had just picked up four games previous, uh, or a few games previous from the Indians. And Bartolo, uh, he got the win, went 134 pitches into the game, and it was his second complete game in a row. And uh, when they were talking to Frank Robinson, first of all, for the team, he said, uh, we needed this win like a man with a bad foot needs a soft shoe. <laughs> so that's an interesting way to say it. Um, but, uh, yeah, he basically, uh, he actually said that uh, with their relievers struggling a little bit, that uh, it was good for Bartolo to be going deep in these games, completing these games. And he said uh, about 134 pitches is about average for Bartolo. And it's amazing to me because the guy's still pitching, right? It's incredible, and he and he still pitches like that. Where he, you know, he goes 120, 130 pitches. He's a he's a freak of nature, really. Yeah. Now the Jays lit him up a little bit. Was it last week? They got he's some of it. Forty something years old. Yeah. What is he like forty four years old? Forty five. Something like that. It's amazing. Crazy. He just keeps on ticking. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, Guerrero belts his record homer, and this was an interesting time for the Expos because. Uh, uh, they were actually being owned and operated by a consortium of all the other major league teams. So uh, they were under pressure to get rid of a lot of their good players, like Vladdy. Um, and uh, they had to play 20 of their 81. Well, there was talk. I don't know how many it came out to, but they were going to have to play 20 of their 81 road games, uh, home games on the road. So things weren't going too well at the time in Montreal. Um, the other Clark Ives, the local ones, uh, the first headline you're going to see there is Hurricanes blown aside at the WOBA tournament where uh, it talks about uh, the Hanover Legion Hurricanes. It doesn't mention what level, whether that's midget or, or uh, juvenile or whatever. But they went to the Western Ontario uh, Tournament, and uh, they didn't do well. They only stuck around for three games, playing teams from St. Mary's, Owen Sound, and Sogging Shores. Uh, ultimately, the Godrich Seahawks won that. And there's some comments from Bob Hubbard, the head coach, if you want to check that one out. And the other one is uh, Hurricanes finish with silver medal. And this was the Hanover Becker's Milk Hurricanes. And uh, they actually, yeah, they managed to get silver in the Ontario, uh, in the province that year. Uh, Dunville beat them twice, including in the final where they beat them 11-1. And uh, Randy Zettler, the head coach, has quite a few comments and sort of talks about their games there where they finally beat their nemesis, Goderich. And uh, it, it gives a lot of game accounts without mentioning individual players a whole lot. But uh, one player that was mentioned was uh, Ryan Wetlofer, who went 5-for-5 five five against Ingersoll and apparently did really well in the provincial tournament. So, yeah, if you want to relive some of the history on this, going back to 2002, you can find that at, at Gray County Guy on my Twitter feed. And I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, some good stuff. Uh, so we, we had this Twitter poll about... Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, tee us up on, on what the Twitter poll you came up with was. Uh, yeah, uh, we broke it down by position, uh, grouped up the positions and said, where should the Blue Jays target uh, improvement for next year? And uh, I believe I'll, I'll let uh, Adam in the bo- booth there uh, give us the results there. But I broke it down. I, I figured the infield was OK because, you know, with Donaldson at third and, right. and Smoke doing his thing and actually Goins was really solid at shortstop. So I didn't put that on the list i said catcher uh outfield starting pitching and relieving pitching okay yeah and what were the results adam yeah i've got them right here uh so i believe outfielding was the highest but let me just pull it back up again have a peek here and we'll see uh okay so uh the lowest was catcher zero uh not surprising there and then after that we had 13 percent for relief pitching 19 percent for starting pitching it's 68% for the outfield. Yeah. <laughs> you got to wonder if... Um, I think Batista wears a yeah, lot of that. I was going to say, you got to wonder if Batista does wear a lot of that. Uh, I mean, everybody's like, oh, Pilar. Just, could Pilar play like left field, center, and right all at the same time? <laughs> I, I think you need a little bit more bat for that, too, though. You know what, though, honest. guys? Um, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later on in, our, in the final segment. But I think they might have found a guy in Teoscar... Hernandez, who looks really good uh, this month. I mean, he has hit 
Seven home runs, 18 runs batted in in just 22 games, and has looked really good. And he's hit 281. This guy looks like a player that they got in the trade um, that uh, is going to be able to play for this baseball team, I think. I agree. He's looked really good so far. I always give it the grain of salt, though, because it's at the end. Well, you the, get, you, there's some AAA guys that he's playing against, too, that are call-ups yeah. as well. The the rosters but, have gone to 40 players, still, so it's watered know, it's down a, a bit. It's decent. And, and right now, here's my grain of salt, is because right now they're not playing for anything, so there's no pressure. Right. And there's all the entire upside and enjoyment. It's all good right now. Baseball is such a long season. It's a long grind. There's a long haul. And if you're in a pennant race, you have to keep that mental toughness up a lot. So I'm curious to see. I, I think in the long run, he's going to be a very good player. I'm curious to see how it's going to translate to a full season. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you're the Toronto Blue Jays GM moving forward f- for next season. And uh, I guess my question for you, Andy, is what do you do and where where do you start with the improvement? What area do you focus on? I was actually a little surprised by the Twitter poll. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm shocked. Actually. Yeah, I thought I thought more people would have said starting pitching, and it's easy for me to say that on one hand. Yes, they need it. Where do they find it? But they have had success, you know, picking players by that astute scouting. You know, there's, do you think those... people are just thinking that well, Aaron Sanchez won't have blisters; he'll be back and. Blah, 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 that we, you know, yeah. I don't if it, know. If it comes to, because I mean, Anderson, they were saying he maybe left the game the other night too with the blisters. And we haven't got an answer on, is this actually something to do with the fabrication of the baseball this year? Yeah, like, if hard. that's the issue, I, I know they might not want to advertise that, but trying to figure out what's going to happen moving forward. Um, I think they're definitely counting on Sanchez to bounce back, but. I don't think they have a choice. They that's have, a that's they have to. He's like 25 years old. Yeah. So where do they get that, that, extra depth in the starting and i think that's where you're gonna have to send the scouts out because i think those guys are out there that some rosters have underappreciated guys that are maybe you know the fourth and fifth guy not really getting a whole lot or some guys in middle relief that, that can be converted start, yeah. and get her done so starting pitching is i think would be the number one priority and with bautista he's obviously on a decline right now it's no secret but i think also batting him lead off was a terrible move so it was I, horrible yeah so I definitely I think I'd make that a priority too. Is maybe finding a little more speed and a little more average for for the leadoff spot would be important for me too. Sounds good, uh, Adam Olivero, our intrepid producer. I mean, when you look at the Toronto Blue Jays, you know we talked about Batista. Is he is is he immediately sort of the linchpin of where you start and replace him with with somebody that's not in decline like him and. And go from there. Like, where do you see the the improvement coming from? I'd agree. Probably uh, Batista. I mean, you look at if if he just played just this season. Like, say this was his starting season with the Jays. He wouldn't play again. He wouldn't play again. No. <laughs> but uh, we were talking about that before the show. Uh, you know, Batista has had an okay season. But if you know, like you said, Steve, before the show we started, if he was hitting 45 home runs, there would be no discussion about a mediocre season at that no. point. No. I mean, you look at his numbers this year and and they're not good. They're 22 home runs, 62 runs batted in, and he's hitting 204. But, but further his, than that, he struck out 164 times. Yeah, but you look at his career numbers for the Jays, and I think he's like second in homers and third mm-hmm. in RBIs. Oh, there's no doubt in the, in the, top 10 in the history yeah. of the Toronto Blue Jays, he's one of the best players that's ever played. He just isn't that player anymore. Not this season. Am I correct in thinking he actually set the Jays' single-season record for strikeouts I think this he year, did, yeah. Which yeah, he absolutely did. Adds, to, adds insult to injury. In my mind, when he was leadoff, where you're supposed to see a high on base percentage, and they try to justify that with he takes a lot of walks, but yeah, he's I don't a know. 311 on base percentage. But my goodness, you can't strike out 164 times as your leadoff guy. Yeah, and and I've said often I'd like to see them stealing more bases in Major League Baseball, but he's actually one guy I'd say don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, I don't think so. Yeah, keep his hands safe. You know what? Cause... They should have just kept Ben Revere and let him play. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. they gave him away for not much. Yeah, like, too bad they couldn't like put it a pinch runner like every time, right? Like, I know. A designated, they have designated hitter, have a designated runner for someone. Do you know what, guys? I've always wondered. So why doesn't a baseball team like you have twenty five man roster, right? Why doesn't a baseball team actually have, you know, a a, a guy? Or or why has no baseball team ever tried to have a specific guy that that's his only job? Like, you know, 
I think back to sprinters, for instance, like, you know, there, there was some talk, you know, Ben Johnson was going to play f- football and, and, and run kick returns back. But I've often wondered, why is it that nobody's kind of looked at that angle? Is it just not enough of a factor in a game to take up a roster spot? Is that really what it comes down to? So you mean just purely a base yeah, so, dealing specialist? So like you, you get the fastest sprinter you, you can find, you know, and you, you have them on your roster just for stealing bases. Yeah, like a Usain Bolt or whatever. Right, yeah. <laughs> like I, I don't know. Like, is is there? It, it's just I just find that strange because it, to me it's kind of an interesting angle, and I know base running isn't strictly speed. Mm-hmm. I mean, but yeah, you have to read the pitcher's uh, delivery and stuff like that, and then also there's I the slide that at the other end. Taught, though, yeah, uh, I'm tr- I'm just trying to picture Usain Bolt stealing <laughs> second base on someone, right? <laughs> He's, he's, he's so long and lanky, he could definitely reach for it quite well. But You need to have a starting gun at the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the coach. Yeah. It's, you know oh, what? No. It's just something I've, I've thought about that I, I just don't know the reason why nobody's ever kind of went after that. Well, if they're going to have a utility guy. And you know what? Who's kidding who? If they got like a well-known sprinter, like if Donovan Bailey was right. you know, running bases for the Blue Jays, you know, if they weren't too, if right? they weren't selling out, people would be yeah showing up. And they definitely would be tuning in to watch that on TV, so... Interesting idea. It's, it's just something I've thought of that over the years that I've often wondered why nobody's ever kind of... I know it's probably the least important sort of part of your roster, but, you know, I mean, it, it can be a key point in the game, too. True. You get a stolen base at a key time, that can really help you. I find a lot of those rosters do have really well-rounded athletes, though, that uh, they uh, don't unleash enough as it is. They don't yeah. They don't tap into that, that asset as much as they should. We have a couple of minutes out here. Do we want to talk a bit about Aaron Judge? Yeah, we do. So yeah. Aaron Judge, just uh, the rookie uh, for the uh, New York Yankees, just set a, a new rookie home run record this uh, week, surpassing Mark McGuire's long record of 49 that he's held since 1987. And so Judge now has 50 home runs, 109 runs batted in. He's hitting 283 and 530 plate appearances. And he even has nine stolen bases, and that's pretty impressive when you consider he's six foot seven, two hundred and eighty-two pounds, guys. So just to run down some things he's done this year, he's won three rookies of the month, he's won one player of the month, he was the home run derby champion, he's an all-star, and he also has the the first uh, fastest exit velocity of any home run ever hit in. In, since they've registered and and uh, a company called Scat, Statcast basically uh, measures uh, the fastest uh, departing home run ball, you know, from a stadium type mm-hmm. of thing, and this one was at one ninety four point nine kilometers an hour. It left the stadium, and that's the fastest they've ever registered. Now, in fairness, Statcast I don't think has been doing it since you know Mark McGuire type of thing probably. Yeah, but, it's but more limited still, run still. It you know what? It's still that number's massive. It's still amazing, physics, yeah. right? Like. This man is uh, a special player. He's 25 years old. He doesn't get to the majors till he's 25, and yeah. he's making 500 grand. I love one uh, a story about him. I heard is apparently he keeps on his phone and sees it regularly as uh, 179 because uh, in his cup of tea with, or a cup of coffee with the team last year, that's what he batted. Right, and he takes that as a daily motivation. And if you consider how terrible his slump was after the All Star break, and he still has season numbers like this, it's unbelievable. Well, he's a heck of a he's a heck of a baseball player, and you know what? Uh, it shows you what an inexact science the Major League Baseball draft is. He was well thought of for sure. He was a first mm. round pick, but he was drafted thirty second overall. There wasn't that much buzz about him, yeah. No, there was no buzz about him, and thirty one players drafted ahead of Mister Aaron Judge, and I bet you there isn't uh, very many that you would say you'd want ahead of him right now. Absolutely. Now, folks, that's our time for this week. You can catch us Friday on Whiteman TV on Channel 6. And this is our season, so we're going to sign off. Thank you for listening yeah, to Baseball Talk. I want to say special thanks to Paul Hillier, to our producer, Adam Olivero. And, Andy, pleasure working with you as always. Pleasure working with you, Steve. And uh, hopefully something like this comes up in a few weeks on Blue Water Radio, another show very similar. We'll talk to you <laughs> then, folks. Thank you for watching Baseball Talk. Be sure to tune into the live show every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on 91.3 FM Blue Water Radio and watch the video replay every Friday night at 8 p.m. on Whiteman TV, Channel 6.
The preceding program was brought to you by Whiteman TV and Bruce Telecom.